We got red lights on. Yep. All right, good. Mm. All right, buddy, we survived SEC Media Days. Oh, yeah. Day four. Uh-huh. Jo- you know what Josh Heupel and I had in common, Shane? What's that? Showed up late as hell to day four. <laughs> we slept. I slept right through the alarm. Yeah. You got down here. I was stunned. Shane, That's Shane right. you shot me a text with the old uh, Pablo Escobar sitting at the swings. I mean, <laughs> left you hanging all that, but I apologize for that. No, I came down here early, and I, th- I thought it was funny, you know, because Saban gets here, the clouds part. The rain stops. You know, Tennessee balls get here. It's it's freaking downpour. You know? I mean, it's perfect. So you barely hear Hopple talking. But uh, no, it was a it was a great event. Today was a was a. I, th- I think it started off with a bang. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, Brian came in here. Um, he had a lot of things to say, and uh, the story got across, man. So yeah, right out of the gate. Let's start there with the Auburn Tigers. You know, like you said, I I love the fact Brian Harson addressed. The elephant in the room right out the gate. Hey, there's yeah. people didn't think I'd be here. Yeah. People tried to get rid of me. I'm back. That's and it. You're in the boat or you're in the damn ocean. That's right. And they're in the boat down there on the plains. And that was kind of the message not only from Brian Horson but the players. And I feel like, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say everybody in the SEC, us included, yeah. counting out the Tigers before the season even starts, they could be the surprise team of the SEC this fall. And, and it's, you know, it's funny because you see a lot of these players and you could tell they've been kind of coached up. But I didn't get that with Auburn. This was authentic, man. These guys, they know they're backed in the corner. They know that nobody has any faith in them. I mean, people are asking questions about the schedule. They're asking questions. You know, they're just, just trying to find some little clip that they can pin on Brian. And, and no, they, they know this, this locker room is jailed. And yeah. that makes a team like Auburn scary. You know what I'm saying? Got nothing to lose. Right. They're gonna. You're gonna get the best Auburn team every time you face them. So, maybe, maybe uh, Auburn's gonna surprise somebody. It wouldn't blow my mind because every time you do count Auburn out, <laughs> you know they they win a national championship. Right. And you know th- that was something I've noticed all week, Shane. You know any little slight, Kentucky gets pissed off. Yeah. Kirby's pissed off. People are, are rating state Stetson Bennett mm-hmm. low. On and on and on. Any little slight fires them up. Auburn's had months and months and months yeah. to get worked up over. Uh, any chance we see all that motivation go into the fall? And, again, they yeah. I don't want to say easy schedule, but they have a ton of home games. Right. That crowd, when they get going on the plains, is one of the toughest places in the country to play. I mean, again, I think Auburn could be embarking on, on just at a left field type yeah. season. I don't know about the fans, uh, you know, because I still think there are s- some folks torn is Brian the future, but yeah. if, if you know, the world is their oyster, man. If they can come out and, and shock the world, which isn't hard to do with this, you know, opening schedule they have, five, I think five home games in a row, something like that. Yeah. I mean, if they can, if they come out 5-0, and oh, man, this fan base will rally behind the troops, and that's that's what I expect happening. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know. Auburn, you hear like Kirby Smart the other day talking about you know the next guy up and all this stuff and they have to fabricate you know noise and and and, and motivation for these players there's none of that shit in auburn no. you know they, they're they're motivated they want to show everybody that they belong in the conversation as a west champ coach yeah. the players have mentioned how bonded they are and how that's grown this off season what have you done outside the complex off the field to build that chemistry Oh, we've done a few things. You guys saw the paintball uh, event that we did. Uh, it was a good idea until it was the coaches versus the players. 
and then it became a bad idea, um, especially in the last game. So they all ganged up on us. Uh, but it was awesome. We had, we had a great time. We also, you know, we've been doing things. We, we, we've always had, we've had these culture groups since I've been there, and I've done this back at Boise. So we have these unity groups, and we have these small culture groups, all right, about 17 of them. And uh, every coach has about five to six guys. Uh, we're having players over to our houses for dinner. You know, we're having those type of events. We brought a group in called the Program, which is a military group. And <laughs> at the beginning, I don't know how excited the players were, but you're doing calisthenics, you're doing jumping jacks, you're doing things together, push-ups, but you've got to do it perfectly, in perfect order, all together. And one person is leading, but you really find out that everybody is. And so how they teach and what they do is amazing. Uh, and, and our military is the best at these things, and that's why you bring them in to teach, all right, how do you build this cohesiveness with the team? The next morning at 5 a.m., we're, we're in the water with sweatshirts on, swimming. Some guys can't swim. Some guys can. So you're, you're, you're helping each other, right? And some guys, you know, feel very scared, but you've got all these people around you to take care of you. So, uh, and we've had speakers come in. We're going to do more events as fall camp hits because, you know, at times in fall camp it gets boring, so you've got to keep everybody's attention. But it's things like that. But ultimately what I would say is the players have made a decision. I think the new players that we brought in have made a huge impact. I think our staff, because they know how important that is to me and how they've emphasized that, has been a big part of, of why our team feels much tighter than what it was. Uh, and I think that negativity is gone. I really do. I just think, you know, one of, the, one of the most sacred places that you can ever be is in the locker room. And, and sometimes, you know, what I tell people all the time, we all have issues, we all have bad days. But once you verbalize that, everybody gets to experience it. So maybe it's just you. And, and maybe it's something you really need to take back before you blurt it out of your mouth. You know, is this something we can't overcome? Is this something that, that really needs to be said? Does it have to be negative? And I think, you know, there's some people that were just naturally negative. Um, and we don't have many of those guys any longer uh, that are that way. We have guys that when there's a challenge, just figure it out rather than, you know, complain and point the finger at whoever, you know, made that happen. So uh, it's really a maturity of our team, the leadership of our team, some of the events that we've done. But, but ultimately, it goes back to the players in that locker room. They've decided that this is who we're going to be. And when they decided that, it became a player-driven team. And now as coaches, just give them a good plan. Don't spoil the talent and let those guys go out there and prepare themselves for when we step into that arena and get a chance to play. Uh, Coach, Derek Mason ran a lot of zone concepts on defense last year. With Jess Schmetting taking over, um, what is this year's defensive identity going to look like? And second part, Vegas set the over-under for Auburn at five and a half games initially, speculating that you are going to be an underdog to a lot of teams that you beat last year. Uh, what is the feeling internally about that and the message to the team? Well, first thing, so as far as schemes, and thank you for actually asking me a football question. All right? I do appreciate that. I, I just got done yesterday talking to uh, some of the high school coaches in Alabama and got a chance to talk football and absolutely loved it. So scheme-wise, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to personnel. We'll play more man coverage. There'll be more man. And we did last year, too. It wasn't, it wasn't zone. We did those things. Um, you know, Coach Mason does a great job on the defensive side, and we did those things. And a lot of it comes back to your personnel, how well we did it. All right, you got to go back and, and improve in some of those areas. <clears throat> but Coach Schmetting, whatever he has planned for our defense, um, it'll be a combination of all those things. 
Uh, and I know that. And like I said before, Coach Schmetting is a guy that I don't worry, I don't worry about Coach Schmetting. He cares more about what he's doing than I do. I mean, he is on it, and he will have that defense prepared and ready for what our personnel is and then what we have to do schematically to help us win that football game. Um, here's what I know or as far as the, the, the records or whatever, all right? That doesn't come from our coaching, our peers. It doesn't come from the other coaches that we play. It doesn't come from the other teams that we play. And it comes from speculation, really, from the media. And we don't play the media. All right, we don't. And so nobody's been in our walls and has seen what our guys are doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Nobody's been there at 6 a.m. watching those guys run decks on Friday morning. And so you have no idea. I do. I get to see them every day. I get a progress report on every one of our players every single day. I know where they are. And as far as I'm concerned, like, none of that matters. It doesn't matter. We're going to prepare ourselves to go play on Saturday. And we're going to try to be the best football team every Saturday when we step on the football field. That's what matters. Now, how you do that, that's what matters most to me. All right? How we do it from Sunday through Friday. And that's what our guys are learning. Sunday through Friday is really important for Saturday. And I've been in programs where Sunday through Friday are not that important. But Saturday is. And that's a mistake. So... That's where our focus is at right now. I don't control what everybody says. And uh, if someone said we're going to win every game, well, you know, who? And, and does that mean we're going to? Absolutely not. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue to progress, make progress. We're going to keep getting better. And the attitude and the mentality of this football team needs to stay what it is right now. Each and every day, whether we win or lose, all right, we've got to have a certain way of handling that. And I think handling success is equally as important as handling failure. And so those are things that we're working on. It goes right back to the, the, the core of our program, the values and the things we're trying to teach these guys. And the byproduct is going to be winning football games. I'm doing good, Coach. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you. Yes, absolutely. Coach, um, what are some of the things you, you want to see from your starting quarterback? And are you a coach that doesn't mind playing a couple <laughs> quarterbacks to be yeah. successful? Yeah. Um, no, I have no problem playing a couple quarterbacks. You know, we've done that in the past, and we've won championships doing that. Um, so it's like any other position, right? One of the things about I, I really believe about football is if you deserve to play, we're going to find you a role, and, and that can also include the quarterback. And so if you've got another guy that deserves to play, there could be an opportunity for him, and it's different by every game, and it's different by plan, but uh, there will be an opportunity for him. What do we look for? We look for toughness. All right, and I've said this a lot of years, and this goes back. I studied, I played the position, I studied the position, and, and spent a lot of time, 10 years, just going through, all right, talking to all these quarterback coaches, gurus, people, studying, watching, and just diving into, all right, what is it about quarterbacks that I think makes them successful? And the number one, is, number one thing is toughness, uh, and that's physically and mentally. You know, you're going to take a hit from a corner that nobody blocked, and you've got to get up and get up fast, all right, because everybody's watching you mentally. You get way too much credit and way too much blame. All right, you got to be a guy, so that's one, toughness, preparation. If you don't prepare and listen to every story of every quarterback that's been the most successful, all they talk about is preparation, preparation, preparation. If you don't prepare, you're not going to be elite. All right, decision-making. Well, if you don't make great decisions, you're not going to be on the field. So you're out there making a decision for the entire football team, not just the offense, not just for you, not just on that play, but everybody in that program, you're making decisions every time that ball is in your hands. And then the last one is accuracy. And we spend a ton of time 
on just the footwork piece, on placing that ball. You know, if you want that ball on the outside number on a 12-yard out and you want it on his outside number in stride, not inside, perfectly thrown, that can happen. But it takes a lot of work to do that. Your feet, your arm strength, all right, your eyes, all right, everything mechanically has got to be dialed in order to make that throw. And you're dealing with all the factors in front of you. So, and then the last piece that comes with that is leadership. You know, but you got to do the first four. You're not going to be a great leader at that position if you can't do the first four. So those are things that I've always had for our quarterbacks. Those are things that go back to Kellen Moore. And I remember the first day I put it up on the wall in my office, and Kellen Moore is looking at it, and he's kind of smirking. And, and I got it back from the sign shop. I didn't even see it, but preparation was spelled wrong. <laughs> so uh, I ended up ripping it off the wall. I was so mad. I was so proud of this that I, went, I came up with this, and I ended up ripping it off the wall, and they were kind of laughing. But then you know, I put it back up there, and, and uh, you know, Brett Rippin the other day sent me a picture of Russell Wilson's, and a lot of them are the same. And so those are things that I believe for that position we have to have to be successful. Our guys know that. Quarterbacks, uh, they're very aware of it. And those guys are, I think, displaying a lot of those things. The toughness, we're going to find out who that starter is. Eventually, we'll find out what that looks like when we go out there and play. But I think it's those qualities. Now, let's kick it over. Uh, we had an interview. Brian Stoltz, AuburnSports.com. This was a good one, yeah. entertaining one. I think Brian had himself a, a good time at the bar last night. What about you? That's right. We should have brought the camera over there last night, you know? <laughs> you got to remember, this was like first thing in the morning. The coffee was not kicking in yet. Brian Stoltz, AuburnSports.com, Auburn Rivals. Yes. Thank you so much for joining Absolutely. us. Absolutely. My pleasure. On Auburn Day. We're about, I don't know about you, but we're about damn exhausted, but. <laughs> It's great to have you I here. just got here yesterday, so okay. I'm fine. I, I did maybe enjoy myself a little too much tonight, last <laughs> night, but <laughs> that certainly played a part, you know? Yeah, yeah. So well, We were worried, you know, day, day four, you know, it's usually the lull. Everybody's yeah. thinking about leaving and stuff like oh, yeah. that. We had Brian first up this morning. Parson was great. But, man, he, he kicked the front door in, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he uh, <laughs> was taking no uh, prisoners there. I mean, that, that was great to see is. is it's, it's awesome to see him approach the controversy yeah. and taking positives out of it. Absolutely. And um, I think that, uh, like he said, it's united the team. I think it's brought, brought this team together. He said earlier that there's real leadership on this team, and uh, yeah. I, think, I think the silver lining is right there. So It seems like that's been the theme of the offseason for him, yeah. pulling yeah. the message. He's got mm -hmm. his own podcast, mentioned by Sankey. Oh, nice yeah. plug right there. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, he just comes right out, and it, it's basically like you're either in my corner or you're out, Yeah. and he's going to call you out if you're not in this corner. Well, he called Auburn out. I mean, he didn't come back from vacation when they asked. Um, he was still in Mexico and enjoying his time. <laughs> the administrators were like, uh, would you like to come back? He's like, nope, enjoy my vacation. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't do anything to, like, make him mad or anything. He's just – yeah. He did this thing, and they didn't find any reason to fire him. And I, I, I like the guy. I, yeah. I, he needs to pick it up in recruiting. Yeah, that is one thing where Auburn is just way behind. I think they're way behind in NIL uh, right. as far as a university and as far as the boosters and stuff like that. But if they can get that together. But could you say it's fair that they're a little bit behind in recruiting, given the fact they you know tried to outs the guy? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, how can you yeah. recruit to that? Uh, you got to think that every coach at an SEC school is going to a kid and be like, he's not going to be there next year. Right. I yeah. mean, they tried to fire him after the first year. Right. And they came close to beat Bama, and they, but that five-game losing streak didn't help. But you know, they came close to beat, beating Alabama, and 
you know, uh, yeah, that's definitely ne- negative recruiting. I, I wouldn't say negative. I would say. <laughs> you know, all the other SEC coaches were saying it. <laughs> I mean, I, I was, I, my, my buddy made a good point the other day. He said negative recruiting is like making stuff up. Right. Yeah. This is true. They tried to oust mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's not like they're making something up here. I mean, mm-hmm. this was national news for Absolutely. almost three weeks. And, I mean, for, lo- for the longest time, um, I didn't think he was going to be there. Yeah. I mean, everything I was hearing was, he's gone tomorrow, he's gone tomorrow, right. he's gone tomorrow, and tomorrow never came. And I'm, I hope he can pull it, pull it together yeah. because he's a likable guy. I mean, in person, he's very personable, very likable. He's, his personality is starting to shine, I think. And the way he came out and just took control of the message, unbelievable. I love well, it. Well, we've not got to see him all. I got to watch a little bit of Tank in the small room mm-hmm. and, and, of course, Brian out here and then in the small room. And it, it, it's a theme. They're coming in here, oh, yeah. us against the world. Absolutely. And, and you can kind of sense that, you know, we're backed in the corner, but we're going to fight. And you know? in, the, in the history, that's when Auburn really thrives. It's yeah. when preseason they're picked not to do well, and they're not, not going to be picked to do well this year. So um, that's when they really thrive. I mean, 2013 came out of nowhere. 2010 really came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2017, yeah. uh, they were kind of picked high, but not that high to win the West. But – you know, that's when Auburn uh, is Auburn. I mean, it's, it's when they their backs against the wall and they uh, have that feeling that, you know, it is us against the rest of the SEC. So, you know, it'll, it'll be the big thing for them is the five home games to start the year. Yeah. If they get off to a 5-0, 4-1 start with wins over Penn State, Missouri. Got to beat Missouri, and, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, absolutely. At home. Yeah. yeah. And LSU. Who knows what LSU is going to be. I mean, right. they're going to be half talent. Mm-hmm. But we don't know Brian Kelly's first year, who's going to be quarterback. Um, but if they get off to a 5-0, 4-1 start, the fan base will be behind them. And, yeah. I mean, they're already behind them because of the whole controversy and how Auburn tried to Auburn everything up. Right. And, um, yeah, um, that's, now, that's Let me key. ask you something. I'll put you on the spot here. Yeah. Because I've been hearing buzz. And we never really talked about it. We talked about it off air a lot. But we've heard from multiple people that old Eli Drinkwitz – He's got his eyes on that Auburn job. Really? Should have become open. And, of course, you know, we just talked about it. They're coming down to the Plains this year. Yeah. I think he was, he, he was an he, assistant there. Yeah, he was on ago. the 2010 team. Right. He was so, an assistant under Malzahn, actually. So, I mean, that's going to be a personal game for him. I mean, these coaches want to win every game, obviously. Yeah. But, you know. He, to, to prove that he can do the job and exactly. win Jordan Hare as an opposing coach, that's huge. Right. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Drinkwich, I like them. I don't, I don't know him personally, but, you know. It's Harson's job for right now. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see. The perception is, you know, everyone we talk to, there's no one really on the hot seat in the SEC aside from Harson. Yeah. Everybody's got Harson on the hot seat. Is he really on the hot seat right now with, oh, with, all, with all the support even? I, absolutely. Because there's still the powers that be in Auburn that still want him gone. Right. Um, you know, it's Auburn being Auburn. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I think you can say that Malzahn was on the hot seat for six years. <laughs> I mean, Christ. <laughs> he, he would be on the hot seat, then he'd beat Georgia or Alabama, and then he'd be off it for, for a year, and then he would lose to them, and then he'd be back on it. And yeah. yeah, it's just it's – just, they can't get their crap together yeah. at the university. It, it's, it's really sad to see, but – it is. It is what it is. Are, are we sleeping on Auburn at all? And the only reason I bring that up, we had Brandon Gall on yesterday, okay. and, and he made a case 
for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, one of the things you've already mentioned is the scheduling. Mm -hmm. The second is they've got the best running back in the SEC. I agree. Uh, a tough offensive line, a tough defensive front. Those are the pieces needed to compete in the SEC. Do you see any other type of story where we, we're looking six games in saying, wait, you know, maybe we should give Brian an extension? If the offensive line gels yeah. and they're all veterans, they're all coming back, and it's been the weakness the last two, three, four years of this team. If that, if they gel, the sky's the limit for this team because they have playmakers. Yeah, uh, Coy Moore coming from LSU. They have Shedrick Jackson back, who doesn't get a lot of credit, but he's can be a reliable receiver. Like you said, they have Tank. They have mm -hmm. Jarquez. They have a plethora of tight ends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then they have Landon King, who moved to wide receiver, who's playing both tight end and wide receiver. Then you mentioned the defense. The defense is going to be the strength. Right. And early on, I think they're going to have to win some games for them. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, if that offense hits its stride and the defense is as good as it should be, yeah. you're right. And Brian gets the quarterback the way we think oh, yeah. he's going to be. You know, I mean, he's yeah. the quarterback whisperer. That's so. what I wanted to ask you. Last time you were on the show, you said Zach Calzada. That clearly, they're bringing him in to start. Mm -hmm. I agree. You, yeah. you still think that's the case? I think, I think so. I think it's his job to lose. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really down to him and Ashford. Because Ashford is more mobile than maybe Calzada is. Yeah, look great in the spring. Well, we haven't seen Calzada in Auburn yet because right. he's been injured. I mean, all these passing drills and stuff like that, but until he's under the fire. Mm -hmm. I think T.J. Finley is a serviceable backup. Yeah. I mean, he played well while injured last year. Georgia State game. Georgia State game, he came in, and everyone thought he was going to be the Heisman winner. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually at a wedding. that I, I actually took off that weekend. I was at a wedding for a friend in Montgomery. We are all watching it on phones, and we're like, Wait, what's the score? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that game was uh, interesting. And, you know, Bo Nix is gone. And apparently uh, Harson or uh, Patrick Nix in the coaches meeting uh, was at the high school coaches meeting with Harson. And he, Pat Nix stood up and said, Bo didn't leave because of this guy pointing out Harson. Yeah. And he kind of said, it's Auburn fans, but. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so. I want to get your thoughts on Zach Calzado from what you saw of him at A&M because I think he gets a bad rap. I know he made a couple mistakes, yeah. but my God, was he tough in the Auburn game? Yeah, I thought his season was done. Same thing too. with Alabama; they came in and got him in the knees. Oh yeah, I was like, oh God, he's done. He still stayed out there. He's tough as nails. He is a tough cookie. Yeah, uh, I think he uh, will have to be. You can cuss on here. I think I think he uh, will be a great asset. I think. The fact that he has that year starting in the SEC, he had a great game against Alabama. He had a serviceable game against Auburn, against a great defense that game. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think if he gets the protection and the receivers step up, I think he has all the potential. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that strong arm, yeah, cannon of an arm. So you know, it depends on what I mean. <laughs> I have to ask this one because I lost a lot of money this day. You know. <laughs> I, Take me back to the Mississippi State game. What did you do after that ball game? Because I wanted to cry. I, 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 I think I did cry a little bit. Do you really want to know what yeah, I did? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote my story at halftime. <laughs> oh, no. I left. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is a blowout. I'm leaving. I got back to my apartment and watched the second half. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I, I had my entire column written. And I'm like, oh, well, delete. <laughs> Control alt, delete. And um, yeah, I had to delete everything. And is that Josh Heifel in there? He looks skinnier yeah. in person. Anyway, it's the, it's the jacket. Yeah. Uh, but 
Yeah, that, that game was unreal. And I, I texted Mike Leach after where I'm like, what what, what did you guys do? <laughs> like, what just happened here? 40 in, unanswered points in yeah. June here? That never happens. Never happens. It's no, insane. I, people forget. I mean, at that point, Brian Harson was legitimately Six a candidate for SEC Coach of the Year. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, and then here we are a month later. It's like. We didn't. There were six no and one, three. Six and three. No one three. thought he was going to survive. No, no. I mean, it's, it's just, just wild how how quickly things can change. You know what? Last thing I got for you, Brian. Yeah. That Penn State game. They've already announced nationally televised. Mm-hmm. There'll be so many eyes on it. How critical is that game for the for the entire season? I think that's the turning point of the season. Yeah. I think if they win that game, they'll gain momentum. Because that's going to be top Missouri, fifteen, top ten. Penn it's State. It's a sexy win. It is. Right. It's yeah. a very, very, and it's the first time. You might not know this. First time a Big Ten opponent's ever played at Jordan Hare. Yeah. That's oh, insane. No, I didn't know that. I mean, uh, Maryland's played there, but they were part of the ACC back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for, or whatever conference they were in, like the Metro. What or book I, did you pull that one out of? <laughs> I, I went back through the schedule. Yeah. I'm like, has, has Auburn ever hosted the Big Ten team? You may be lying to me. And I <laughs> had no, no, no. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> but Maryland, played, Maryland came when Boomer Sison was the uh, quarterback oh, back shit. in the 80s. Okay. Yeah. Come so, on, man. Uh, yeah, that, that, that game's absolutely crucial for them because – they should have won that game last year in Penn State. Yeah. I wish it was a night game because mm-hmm. Jordan Hare at night is just yeah. spectacular. But it is the 2.30 game, uh, I guess CBS, I'm yeah. guessing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the crowd will be pumped. I think they're going with the orange out instead of a white out like Penn State. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they got two kind of worn-up games. I mean, San yeah. Jose State is not that bad. Right. I mean, they'll, they'll need to focus on that, like, they don't want Georgia State to happen again. Right. But, um, yeah, that, that game will be huge, and um, they need to not give that quarterback 10 seconds to throw the ball again <laughs> like they did last year. I think, I think that's so because uh, Derek Mason was, uh, what would you call, um, hesitant to rush the passer last year. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and now he's at Oklahoma State taking less money, which I don't understand, but – I guess it was a Harson thing. <laughs> yeah. With him. On your way out the door, Brian, tell the audience where to follow you and, oh, and all absolutely. the work you're doing. Uh, AuburnSports.com, uh, part of the Rivals Network. And follow me on the Twitter <laughs> at uh, Brian J. Stultz. And uh, my DMs are open if you hate me. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for your time. All right. Next team on the docket, Shane, the Tennessee Vols. Yeah. Like I said, showed up late due to weather. But, yeah, you know, I think uh, the biggest thing I got from the Vols, yes, we know expectations is it's the annual right. cycle with the Vols. But Josh Heupel and Hendon Hooker, they seem to be embracing it. And something that we talked about off air, I don't think there's enough being said about all these players. Yeah. The, guy, the guys that are here, like Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman and Jamari Small and Trayvon Flowers, on and on and on, that we were, not, we were discounting a yeah. year ago. Yeah. Now they're borderline superstars. They're, they could be even better this year. Right. And there's tons of guys on the Tennessee roster we're not even talking about now yeah. that could be superstars this time next year. And, and, and you, when you think about Tennessee Vols, you know, nobody was talking about that receiving core last year. Me and you talked about it uh, a little bit a few minutes ago. Um, two guys in the NFL. Now you got, you know, Cedric Tillman obviously going to be playing on Sundays. And there wasn't a conversation this time last year, you know. And now we've got a full off season, uh, another full off season of high pool offense put in place. you got a quarterback that knows the system. They're, he's coming in. There's no more question marks at who's throwing the ball back there. Right. I think that helps the receivers around her. you got transfer. First coming in, you'll you'll hear if you get onto our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, just about every one of them was asked about Brew McCoy. You know, <laughs> there's there's plenty of talent, and and that's one thing that Hopple has shown us in the short 
time that he's been here is that he has taken some of these three and four stars and made them NFL talent. Yeah, and of course, you know, it all starts with Hendon Hooker, the star yeah. of the team, correcting mistakes, doesn't make them twice. That's something Josh Heupel said mm -hmm. about his star quarterback, taking his game to an even new height. And again, could be, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but could be like a Heisman type dark horse here heading into the season, depending on how well the Vols do, don't you think? Uh, why not? Well, you know, I mean, this is going to be an electric offense yet again. Um, everything you hear, it's going to be a faster tempo. It's going to be a better backfield. It's going to the receive. I mean, it's just all around going to be a better package on offense. That's the the theme is how many returning stars that they do have coming back. We're not, not now here. We talk, you know, at the first about who's in the next in the NFL, but. Let's not forget, you know, they got a lot of talent coming back this season. So Tennessee Vols got a lot to be excited about. I'm excited. I try not to go <laughs> too too much fanboy here, walking, seeing them walk around. But uh, it's hard not because I'm also uh, very optimistic. Uh, optimistic about the Vols. Yeah, and last thing I got from highlight from Heupel, you know, he's not a guy that uh, he doesn't make a lot of bold comments and right. things of that nature. But I love the fact. That he's, you know, that he gets asked about the expectations, mm -hmm. and he wants that. He wants higher expectations. He don't want to be at a program that has low expectations. Yeah. And, and I think that's previous Tennessee coaches have have run away from that. Absolutely. I'm specifically thinking old Butch and, uh -huh. and everything that comes with that. So you know, maybe this is the time Tennessee finally gets it right. Yeah, I think so. I I, I think with everything too that's going on at the campus with the the stadium remodels yeah. and, the, and and you know the NIL. You know, everybody knows about Nico and them. I, I, it's just the, the, the university, the boosters, they've all bought in to, to what Heupel's doing. And I think that's important, too. Um, you know, there was rumors, you know, that Heupel may leave somewhere, you know. And, we, of course, we thought about it. But I, I, think, I think he's at his job. And he's going to make this, uh, you know, a top-tier program. Yeah. Uh, you preach a lot about culture and accountability. What's changed from this culture from year one to two that has you this team excited and, and you heading into year two? Yeah, our, our sense of accountability at each point, each you know cross section of the the off season, so dramatically different than where we were the year before, and dramatically different than even where we were when we finished the season. Uh, leadership is so different. Uh, each Wednesday during our off season before we got to spring ball, you know, it was team day. It was leadership. It was communication. Uh, not just from the leaders that you guys know their names, but from everybody inside of our program, from the young guys inside of our program. And uh, because of that, you know, how we practice during the course of spring ball was completely different. Much more ownership from within by our players. And championship seasons, great seasons happen because of the leadership and the work habits uh, and the accountability factor from within the locker room. It doesn't happen because your coaching staff is, is different. You know, it happens because of what's inside that locker room. And I love the growth that, that we've had and, and uh, excited about, you know, where we're at, but where we got to get to and, and how, we, how we're going to get there. Uh, you talked earlier about some of your top guys kind of being no names last season. Now they're on the watch list for a lot of awards. What has it been like and how rewarding is it to see their hard work paying off? And not only you notice, but the nation does. It's the great thing and it's one of the toughest things about college football, right? You don't have them on a long-term contract where you got them for a decade. Uh, they're out the door after four years. And, and, uh, but it's a, it's a great thing, too. So much opportunity. And, and uh, you know, for the guys that are here, look at their journey from where they were a year ago to where they are now. Uh, and uh, excited about that. Really proud of them, too. And, and uh, it's a great thing. You know, college football, to me, is, is such a unique sport and, and the greatest sport that we have. Just 18 to 22-year-olds going through that maturation process, learning how to, to become the person 
uh, that they want to be and become the player too. And it's, it's a great journey and, and one that, uh, you know, I don't take for granted that I get a chance to be a part of and, and uh, excited about who's next, right? You know, there's names that uh, I maybe haven't talked about today or that you guys don't know. They're going to step up and, and have great seasons and, and play critical roles in our success. Season, several transfer players made a big impact for your team. You have a couple of guys in the secondary who have transferred in. What kind of impact do you feel like they will have on that particular uh, secondary? Yeah, I think as a program, we're deeper than we were a year ago. Uh, earlier today, I mentioned, you know, we had 69 scholarship players as we embarked on, you know, training camp a year ago. And, and you know, most people last year were probably at 90, closer to 95 with, with six-year seniors. And, and uh, we were thin. Um, we are deeper. We're not as deep as we need to be, um, but we are deeper. The transfers that have come in, I think they're in a position, you know, physically and mentally, uh, when we start training camp to, to push and to compete for playing time, for jobs, and you know, on defense, on special teams. <coughs> I think there's greater depth, in particular on the defensive side of the football, in our secondary, you know, at the second level linebackers. And we have good competition that needs to take place on the, on the first line with our defensive line too. And you know, that's one of the places that we gotta grow. We gotta be able to affect the quarterback more on third and long situations, not with pressure, uh, although we're gonna need that at times too, but just with our front four and being able to win some of those one-on-one -on -one battles. Clarion Ledger, um, Lane has made a bunch of jokes about having to sign mustard bottles and <laughs> golf balls after yep. last year's game. Just wondering if you've had a similar experience and just kind of reflecting on that game last year, just what stands out to you? Yeah, I didn't sign any uh, 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 mustard bottles or, or, or golf balls. Um, maybe wish I had had a golf ball that night, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm only kidding. All right. Uh, now, let's kick it over. Interview Jesse Simonton. Shane thought yeah. this was involved. Yeah, I got I to gotta <laughs> preface this thing, you know. So, Mike, we have so much going on. I can barely keep up with everything. And and I thought this was going to be more vault-oriented. So, you're going to notice the first three, four questions. I even took a little dig at Florida there. And then I, I you're going to notice I stopped asking questions because I realized real quick that this isn't just about Tennessee. So, <laughs> I swear I wasn't yeah, drinking. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. Look at got got the official. Love it. Yeah, so hey, we're pleased to be joined in person for the first time. Jesse Simonton on three sports. You've been here covering the entire event. Uh what's main takeaways after four days of covering? Uh I mean obviously it's always a circus. You guys know. I mean it's 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 I think even here in Atlanta, you know, with the college football hall of fame, it's kinda of running around like with your head cut off because it's in Hoover at least everything's very structured and set up but they kind of have radio rows on you know the third level here and then you right. got to go down and around for some of the other interview stuff uh, but I think the most interesting thing as we kind of wrap up day four um, is just kind of the varied opinions on who's going to finish second in oh, the yeah. east and west because to me I think that's probably the most interesting Alabama is going to be Alabama Georgia's going to be Georgia, uh, and, and I'm of the opinion that those two are definitely going to meet again, you know, for the third straight year in the SEC championship game, or third year, uh, third time, I should say, in the SEC championship game. But who finishes second? You know, I'm someone that I believe Tennessee in the East. Uh, to me, I, I think if the pieces can come together defensively, and that starts with the back end, the secondary, you know, Trayvon Flowers is here. Uh, but he's just one guy. How many corners do they have? Who's right. healthy? Which which of those transfers is it a Wesley Walker or a Turrentine that can kind of you know help stabilize some things in the back end? 
um, because they're going to score points. And so it's it's how many stops can you get in a game uh, that's going to matter. Obviously, a lot of folks like Kentucky. A lot of folks also are, 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 are optimistic about South Carolina. The Kentucky argument makes total sense to me in terms of scheduling. Their schedule is just put it next to Tennessee, and, and it, one certainly looks much easier than the other. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, Tennessee's had Kentucky's number. Even with Tennessee struggles in recent years, they've kind of had Kentucky's number. It's kind of been this little Florida starting to struggle against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Tennessee can't beat Florida, but the Vols can beat, you know, the Wildcats. It's kind right. of this whole little tri- Bermuda Triangle of the SEC East there. No, speaking to your point, Tennessee, Kentucky – I'm the only one, I think, in, at this whole event. I got Florida number two in the East, and we even had explain a, yourself, with uh, SEC Mike. We we had a Florida guy up here. He basically made us shut down the podcast when I said that. But all right, so they host Kentucky. I know it's early, but I think that's a game where Florida all off season. That's the one they're going to be circling. This is why Dan Mullen's not here anymore because he kept losing to damn Kentucky. We're getting them in Gainesville. I think Florida can get that win, and it. When it comes to Tennessee, hell. I mean, we do this every other year. This is the year Tennessee's going to beat Florida at home. They just I, – I think it's a mental block. You know, I just do not think Tennessee can beat Florida for whatever reason, and I'm not picking that until I see it on the field other than Juwan Jennings, uh, you know, can a duck pull a truck. And, and probably the biggest one of all, Anthony Richardson. I think he's going to explode this year. Billy Napier, 16-3 and three overall record in one-score games. I think Florida's going to play defense, pound the ball, lean on Anthony Richardson to make five big plays a game and, and pull in some of these one-score games. I mean, again, you can certainly make that argument. I think that I'm as high on Anthony Richardson as anybody. Right now it's all potential. Right. You know, we haven't seen it. It's, it. There's a lot of SEC quarterbacks like that. Will Levis is like that. Spencer Rattler's like that. Uh, I think the concerns with Florida is what kind of surrounds Anthony Richardson. I, I, I don't know how much speed they have on the perimeter, and that's going to be a problem later in the season. Their schedule's hell, too. I yeah. mean, they play A&M and LSU this year, uh, so that's not going to be a whole lot of fun. What happens if they don't start well? That That's what I'm also interested in with Billy Napier, because they did bring him in to do the things that Dan Mullen could not, which is recruit elite talent. Uh, but there was also a, some cultural issues in Gainesville, and you don't just – that's not a light switch. You don't just turn that off or turn it on. Um, so Florida starts 0-2. We know they have, you know, Utah to start, Kentucky week two, like you said. Um, that, that's this could it. backfire on me early, no doubt. <laughs> it, it could backfire on At the same time, if not win for Tennessee, if they can't beat Florida this year, with, with a Gators team that's in transition, you know, Napier's overhauling that roster, trying to bring in some fresh faces. Uh, I, I think that would be quite the demerit on, you know, a Josh Heupel year too. Not to say, not to say that it's some sort of, like, end-all, be-all, but it, you're saying you got to see it to believe it. That's why, I mean, this, is, this seems to be the time. Yeah, I think Tennessee's backfield is going to be solid. It, it's it's funny because everyone thinks with Heupel's offense, it's all about you know throwing the ball and, and attempt. But what really makes that engine churn is the fact that you're you're just constantly handing the ball up the middle, up the middle, up the middle, and then you just fire down the seams. And so 
you know, Jabari's a guy, I saw him as a recruit, you know, when I was at VolQuest, and, and he's a guy, he's not the fastest, he's not the biggest, but he's cut and go. And that's perfect for this inside zone scheme where it's RPO heavy, boom, hand it off immediately, or Hooker's, you know, gonna gonna crank it deep. Uh, and again, with the amount of tempo and plays that Tennessee runs, that run game's always going to be effective. Uh, I do think they would like to have it be a little more explosive. You know, we saw it in flashes. Obviously, the the one kid's not here anymore. You know, transferred out, um, but he's going to have some help. And whether that's a Jalen Wright, you know, who does have some, you know, he's got the burn that Jabari doesn't have. Um, so that's going to be important. And Tennessee's going to rotate backs. You know, they're they're going to put in. Multiple guys back there, but but I think Jabari certainly is, is kind of RB1 for them heading into the fall. Whenever people talk Tennessee, they always circle that Florida game and now Kentucky, and then, you know, the dream season, we're talking Alabama and Georgia. Maybe they could beat, beat one of those. But is everybody overlooking? Now you have them catching one, right? You haven't beaten Georgia, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was someone else. Okay. I got South Carolina beating Georgia. But that's right. That's right. I knew it was somebody. Oh, yeah. But are, are Tennessee fans overlooking Pitt? Because I've, I talk to a lot of people on this show. Yes, they are. Gambling experts saying Pitt's the underdog at home. He's putting all his money on Pitt. I have analytics people on that basically say it's a toss-up game. You know, could that game dictate the season for Tennessee? Oh, so I, I don't know if it could. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on, like, how into the weeds in terms of dictating the season. It certainly could dictate the month of September. I think it, it, you lose that game, it changes the tenor of the Florida game, in my opinion. Uh, because the hype won't be as big, the the excitement in terms of recruiting and, and Neyland's always going to be loud and, and boisterous. But if you go in there three and zero and hosting the Gators, it would be a lot different than if you stumbled at Pitt, especially when f- Tennessee folks thought they should have beat them last year. Right. But I think I, I you know I think people are like, oh, Kenny Pickett's not there. Jordan Addison's gone, so it's not it's not. A, Narduzzi returns almost all of his defensive linemen, almost all of his offensive linemen. They have, you know, he's a guy that is just kind of, uh, he may not be a whole lot of fun to talk to, but 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 he gets the most out of his football players. And, and that team's going to, it's going to be a competitive game. Tennessee cannot just walk up to Pittsburgh and think that they're going to, you know, leave the Steel City, you know. And they brought in a transfer quarterback that's pretty touted too, I think. Yeah, they Slovis. brought in they brought in Keevan Slovis. Uh, you know, he, he's, it, the, the, again, that's the crazy triangle where, you know, he left Southern Cal and Daniels, you know, the, all these guys lose their job and now Lincoln Riley's. It, yeah. College football's wild right now. So, I have not I have not been in Neyland in, in, in a minute, so no, I, I have not been in Neyland in a minute. Are you buying the South Carolina hype? I wanted to ask you, but again, I had another guy on, analytics guy. He, I told him my upset pick. He's like, yeah, we got the Gamecocks 9% chance of beating Georgia, so I feel like walking that back right away. But uh, do, you, my, my, do you think South Carolina can take that next step? My kind of off-season uh, viewpoint of South Carolina has not really changed in terms of I, I've gotten to know Shane a little bit, and I do, I do think that he is. I, I wrote a big column on it earlier this week. I, I think that he uh, is the perfect personality for that job. You know, he he's he's unabashedly Shane Beamer, and it's a little corny, and it's full of boundless energy. But it's what needed to happen in Columbia to kind of change the culture and the characteristics of that football team, and we saw it come to fruition in year one I mean they were a two or three win team picked to win only two or three win games you win seven 
uh, but the margins are so small. And so even though Spencer Rattler's there, even though they have a bunch of other transfers that they're really excited about, I think they could be a better team with a worse or same record. Because, mm-hmm. again, schedule's hell. Right. And last season, they had, there was kind of a, a twofer there. They won a couple close games. Vandy could have gone either way. Troy really could have gone yeah. either way. ECU. Um, yeah, it, another one. And then they kind of caught some teams that folded a little bit, Florida being one of those, Auburn, Auburn being the other. Uh, and then when you look at the margins against Georgia, A&M, and Clemson, not pretty. So I do think maybe those margins shrink a little bit, but maybe you you lose one of those 50-50 games and suddenly it's the same 7-6 and six deal or a 6-6 six and six season, but they're not 13th in every single offensive category like they were a year ago. Yeah. Now, I know you had a little fun with my SEC quarterback ranking oh, that was, a, couple, yeah, a little while back. That so, was a good one. I loved it. Th- hey, that's our top show of the month right I, now. So I, it, I, hey, it's going well you got to talk now. quarterbacks. Exactly. So, Stet- I had Stetson, number 10 in the SEC. Thoughts on that? You got a lot more respect for him than that? I, I, guess, I guess my question for your quarterback rankings, which I'd love to, to you know, have you explain is, is it all projection? Is it, you know, how, how did you come to your list in terms of, because I, I agree with you that if you, if we polled every coach in the SEC, Mark Stoops is not going to trade Will Levis right. for Stetson Bennett. Napier is not going to trade Richardson for Stetson Bennett. Uh, and go on down. And you probably would get pretty close to 10th. But then I look at and I say, this is a kid that outdueled the Heisman Trophy winner in the national championship game. Georgia's offense last season has been, I think, just routinely overlooked because of how historic the defense right. was. Lead the SEC in yards per play. They're top 10 in explosiveness, long, you know, long explosive plays, passing efficiency, all that. Um, and so I don't know if he's like the most undervalued player like Kirby Smart said yesterday. But I do think he is, you know, Bennett is, you know, the mailman's overlooked a little bit. And, and I would have him much closer towards that top five than I would have him kind of in the back of the pack of the conference. Again, I understand the NFL traits with Rattler and the rest of these guys, which is why, you know, everybody can come from different perspectives with these lists. So yeah. is that is that, yeah. you, so is that kind of how you approached it? Yeah, it's basically projection where these guys are going to rank by the end of the year. And, like, the perfect example you use would Stoops trade Levis for Stetson. Not now, but at the end of the season. So I'm kind of projecting out how they're going to perform as well. And I don't know. I look at it, Stetson. I mean, they, it, it seems to me they asked him to win two football games, and one was horrible performance. And the other, you're right, he did beat Bryce Young. But Bryce Young was down, you know, I hate that excuse. I don't want to really talk about players getting hurt because Georgia had guys hurt too. But And Bryce threw a pick six, and they lost the football game. So he didn't win them that game. But if the, he's asked to do that five times this year, I don't know. I think Georgia's going to lose a, a game or two in that scenario. That, it's, 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 it's certainly possible. I do think Georgia's offense is actually going to be uh, even better. And, and yeah. I think that – That's what we keep here. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I think that the irony is, and this would be a credit – in your favor, or you know, a little a chit in your favor, is that I think it could be better regardless who plays quarterback. Whether whether Vandergriff's back there, right. whether Carson Beck's back there, or whether like it Beck. is Stetson Bennett, and that's because I just think a year ago, yeah, everyone's thought 
Mechie and Williams that Alabama Georgia's receivers were hurt all season. That's why Brock Bowers became the best tight end in the country. Kyrus Jackson was hurt. Dominique Blaylock's hurt. Pickens didn't play up until the you know, final two games of the year. Um, Blaylock's healthy. That's a former five-star who's going to be you know, a great slot addition. You got A.D. Mitchell back, Ladd McConkey, and then the tight end room is just, I mean, it's absurd. I'm, I'm not sure we've ever seen one like it in college football in terms of having Bowers Eric Gilbert, who's a five-star, I've seen him up close many times. Darnell Washington, and then oh, you know, oh, let's just add another four-star in Oscar Delp. I yeah. mean, it's just it's 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 crazy how how you know loaded Todd Hartley's built that room. Where do you rank Arkansas and A and M? Are are they on close to equal footing? And of course, now we got A and M's arguably the best player. He's not even making it here, right? Because he got in trouble. No, he is. Yeah, he's he's. You, you you get you get charged with some some serious stuff. I don't think they bring you to SEC media days. So, so. I, mean, I mean that to me it's like the, the SEC West the details. Is, yeah, you know what I mean for sure and for sure. I think there's yeah, it's going to be an interesting year for Texas A and M because you know they have so much hype coming off that historic recruiting class, but then you know there's you got to put it together and Jimbo hasn't quite putting it. Let, put let it me throw together. a stat at you. I don't know how much you put into stuff like this, but my buddy Dave Bartu, CFB Matrix. You love, know. love analytics. Dave, Dave, I don't know Dave, but I follow his work. It's, it, he, good he grades stuff. all these guys. He said, take out first-year coaches last year. Jimbo Fisher had the worst coaching grade at the Power 5 level. And he, he's got a roster that should be winning 10 and 11 football games. And I understand quarterbacks get hurt, tough schedule, SEC West, you know, a break he's definitely here under, well, he's underwhelmed he's, for sure. He's not getting it done, and I don't understand why we keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. I, even though I know he, players matter more than anything, they got a loaded roster. I get it, but I, I got to put Arkansas over A and M. So I, I think that you, much like the East, you can make a case for four teams. For me, I think personally, I think you can make a case for four teams to finish second in the West. I, I think folks are sleeping on LSU. Yeah. I think Brian Kelly. I don't know where he ranks in that in that coaching. Metric steal. I think he's right at the top. But I, I think he's one of the best. Again, he may not be fun to talk to like you know, like Narduzzi, but he knows how to coach a football team. Their issue, my concern with LSU, I've, I've kind of written about them being kind of the sleeper team in the SEC this fall. It's just such – their roster lives in extremes. They have – they probably have three or four guys that are going to be first round, top, let's say top 50 picks in next year's NFL draft on this roster, but there's no depth behind them. So if any guy gets hurt, they're, they're likely to crater. And obviously they have a very difficult schedule, that, you know, start with Florida State and then go on down. Arkansas, I like the Razorbacks. I think they're going to have the best running game, mm-hmm. you know, in the country. I wonder if folks have started to sort of figure out Barry Odom's 326. You can only kind of sit back in that shell so much. You can only play that red zone roulette, you know, so much. Um, which is why I did think it was interesting that Bumper Pool and Jalen Catalan earlier this week at SEC Media Days talked about the need to be more aggressive, the need to create more havoc. Um, and they're getting more man-to-man corners. Get more they? man-to-man corners. You bring in Breeny. Uh, from Georgia, McLaughlin from LSU. I think, you know, I do think Arkansas probably lost that trade with LSU. You bring in Landon Jackson and, 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 and McLaughlin, but then you lose Brooks uh, and Joe. Um, but I, I think you can make a case again. Arkansas, A&M, 
LSU. And then there's certainly folks here, I'm not one of them, but there's folks here that believe that Ole Miss isn't going to miss a beat and, mm. and, and will finish second again just like they did a year ago. Yeah, that's the last thing I wanted to ask you. I don't know if the – I don't – Mississippi State is going to catch somebody this year. And, and I mean a somebody. They, like they host Georgia, they play host, Alabama. They host Georgia, they play Alabama. But the, watch them watch them be – I think the A&M game is somewhere in early October. I forget exactly where it lies on the schedule. A&M – if A&M's a top 10, top 15 team, no, everyone's going to just pencil that one. Oh, they're Mississippi State. They're, they'll beat the Bulldogs. Yeah. They're going to catch somebody because they return a ton of production. Veteran – Offensive line, defensive line. They do have to replace, uh, you know, the big tackle there that they lost. But they like the Percy Jones kid that they brought in from JUCO. Um, histor- yeah, now, yeah, and again, this is a big season for Mike Leach. We're talking about the if not win, you know, mm-hmm. for Tennessee and beating Florida. Kind of a similar deal for Leach and Starkville because if he doesn't put it together with Will Rogers and, and kind of this collection of veteran talent, it's hard to see him ever kind of getting over the hump with the Bulldogs. But I do think that I don't know where they're going to finish, you know, in terms of the SEC West standings. Um, but I think they're going to be competitive on a weekly basis. And I do think that they are going to legitimately upset a top, you know, 10, yeah. 15 team on their schedule this fall. Last thing I got for you, you hit on Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. You know, thoughts on him. You know, he's, he's going about it a unique way, building through the transfer portal. I think it's smart in one hand because, uh, you know, maybe he can't compete in high school recruiting with, with some of the West Powers. Or he doesn't try. But, <laughs> well, that's true. But, <laughs> but also, I mean, he'd have to do it every year. So I'm trying to get you to go to a, a, maybe a little bold here. But if Ole Miss, let's say they are 10 wins again, Lane Kiffin, do you think he's looking to, to get out of Ole Miss? Yes, yeah. I, I think he, I think he had wandering eyes this off season, right. and the, Miami, he just, Florida, maybe the, both of those jobs for certain. I, I think that he even uh, would not have turned down Oregon. You know, had they come calling, I think certainly if if the Harson thing had completely unraveled and mm-hmm. and Auburn was open, you know, I, I don't think Lane is is super long for Oxford. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for his philosophy in terms of you know these rebels reinforcements you know recruiting through the transfer portal I think even Lane has has been kind of open or or at least honest this offseason he continues to use the same metaphor so it's a little old now here at SEC media days but his whole basketball analogy of that you know you can have this great team on paper but how does it kind of come together I think that's a legitimate concern now it's not to say that it won't it's not to say they can't find cohesion and kind of build that chemistry uh but everyone wants to make that comparison with mel tucker and michigan state look at all the guys they brought in that's true mel tucker did and he Mm -hmm. got a hundred million dollar contract out of that i mean it was a hell (laughs) hell of a move for him but the difference that people forget is that mel was there for a year he already had the investment of the rest of the roster and so those guys were able to then kind of immerse themselves with these reinforcements. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ole Miss is turning over so much, they're expecting upwards of 20-something people to be starters. Right. Those are now just the guys. It's just, all right, well, new name, put them up. We'll see. I love some of the guys they got. I think the UCF kid 
uh, at wide receiver that Tennessee really wanted is going to be awesome. I like and Michael that Trigg. offense. Trigg's going to be awesome. Definitely concerned for me that Dart couldn't outright win the job right. this spring. Um, and from what I understand, he's getting huge NIL money. How does yes. that factor into Lane's decision? I, yes, you know, it's a lot of lot of questions. There. They got a lot of guys getting that that are getting huge NIL money. It's right. funny Lane Lane <laughs> has made a lot of like uh, complaints about it, but you know, I, I, behind the scenes, I've heard some some major numbers associated w- with Ole Miss. So it's a fascinating season for the Rebels because. Where, does Lane want to be there, or how does he? He definitely wants to be there. How long does he want to be there? Mm-hmm. Um, people are also overlooking just the absurd production that Matt Corral has had the last two seasons. Was was not just as a, a, a thrower. This is a guy that was running the ball fearlessly, had the locker room, you know, uh, fully on his back, and. I think it was two seasons ago, led the entire nation in all-purpose yards. Last season was right up there among the tops uh, of any quarterback. That's tough to replace. And yeah. you, don't, you don't just – that's not just, you know, uh, a rinse and repeat by just slotting in a guy, a guy, even if Jackson Dart was a five-star. Well, thank you for all the time, Jesse. Can you Absolutely. tell the audience where to fi- find you and yeah. all your work? Uh, find me at On3, SEC writer at On3. So lots of columns and coverage this week. In Atlanta, be happy to have hop on with you guys sometime this fall. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, then hopefully we get them. But uh, Trey Wallace, Outkick.com, yeah. a, a great SEC insider, knows that Tennessee program through and through, mm-hmm. Knoxville-based. Uh, this is really good chat here also with Trey Wallace. Five minutes with Trey. <laughs> Trey Wallace. Something like that. Prime time. And if I'm, if I'm looking down, it is what it is. A lot of stuff going no, on. No, you go ahead, brother. Yeah, Outkick, of course, senior SEC writer wrapping up. SEC Media Days, where literally we grab Trey off his table. That's it. Because Shane's got to go eat. He's got to go gamble. <laughs> Everybody's is in a mad dash to get out of here. But uh, It's one of those things, man, where everything just kind of comes to the end. We just met with Josh Heupel upstairs to kind of wrap it up because he was late this morning. Yep. Uh, bad weather in Knoxville, so he yeah. you know, he was late getting in. So he didn't get to do the local media gaggle that every mm. coach does. And Right. So just um, coming out of that, just posting an article. Um Brew McCoy, not eligible yet. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, I've been told he will be eligible, uh-huh. but they're waiting on the NCAA. Okay. Does that potentially further. compound now that uh, they didn't get the, what was his name, Jalen Robinson that went to Ole Miss? I mean. I don't know if that, I, because here's the thing, I honestly think that he ends up getting eligible. Mm-hmm. I think if you guys remember, it was Aubrey Solomon. Yeah. It was Aubrey Solomon. Yeah. Memory, you know, the NCAA, they had to wait on the NCAA, then they finally – and as somebody mentioned it to me, we got time. Yeah. You know, we got time. We got a month. Why is this always it's always an issue at Tennessee, though? Cade Mays, I remember, being an issue. Well, you got to think about it, though. When did he come in? He came in in the summer. Yeah. So you, you passed the first hurdle with the SEC. Right. You got to deal with the NCAA. NCAA is mm. a tougher pill to swallow than the SEC. So Speaking of, what about the can transfer twice role being potentially? Yeah, that's getting a little crazy. You know, and, and I, I, I think about it a lot. Like, okay, well, how many times are these kids going to be able to transfer? And, yeah. and, and I don't think it – if you don't fit somewhere and you're not playing, I understand you want to go play. Uh, football is very different. I mean, you, there's only – like, if you're the two deep, you're good. Yeah. You're yeah. the three deep, okay, you're not – that's not a good spot to be in. But I think when you look at it right now, like the transfer windows, I mean, that would just 
batshit crazy, excuse my language, but you start right after there in December, like December 5th. You're rolling through the middle of January, and then you come back, and you're rolling from the beginning of May to the middle of May. And it's like, can you imagine what the portal would look like after spring practice? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's just a lot that they're doing, and I'm interested to see if it actually works. Yeah. Now I'm trying to get a hot take out of you, Trey. Is this the year Tennessee beats Florida again? Yeah. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think this is the year they beat Florida. Now, I can't wait to watch Anthony Richardson play consistently. Uh-huh. Right. That's what I'm excited about. Because it's hard to get a good look at Anthony Richardson last year when he's coming in sporadically. Mm-hmm. Or when he's coming in playing a game, then he's not playing a game. So you don't get to look at him for three straight games, mm-hmm. four straight games. So – so right now, I look at the quarterback situation. I think Hendon Hooker right now is better than Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Could that change three weeks into the season? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we have a firm grasp on Anthony Richardson yet. And I think he's talented. I love the kid. I think he's going to be good. I think he has the, the I think Billy Napier and them could do good things with him. I just want to see Florida put that together. Yeah. And I know Tennessee hasn't beaten Florida in a while and all that good jazz and however many years, 17 out of 18. And I get that part. But these are new kids. These yeah. these these kids. This ain't your papaw's balls. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, they're gonna, here's the thing. They're going to hear about the streaks. Or they're going to hear about, hey, we haven't beat them. These kids don't care. No. Yeah. Most of them yeah. are 0 and 1, and that's it. They you don't know? pay attention. Well, that's one of the questions that they asked Hooker, and he was like, like talking about him coming up here with Hopple, and he's like, well, yeah, we just want to win games. Right. There was no, there was no building up the tradition again. Well, they also asked him about the Alabama rivalry. <laughs> what the hell is Hendon Hooker know about the Alabama rivalry? He was a Virginia Tech. Right. Exactly. Like, he didn't know anything about the third Saturday in October. <laughs> just want to win games, man. Right. It's all about you know what they hear. When they're at the at the school or what they see on social media, yeah. what fans say to them. Yeah. So, so we'll no see. hesitation when I ask you about Florida. What about, you know, at LSU, Georgia, Alabama, what are the odds Tennessee has a winning record against those three? I mean, that, you know, the, the biggest game of the season for me is Pittsburgh. Mm. I said this last year. Sneaky. I, I said this last year. I remember being on the radio and I said the biggest game for Tennessee is Pittsburgh. Second game of the year. Um, because you dropped that game at Pitt. You're starting to second-guess yourself when you have a, you know, a pushover game coming in and then the Gators come to town. Yeah. So you're starting the season one and one. I'm going to mm-hmm. give them a win over Ball State. So you're starting the season one and one. You're like, okay, that's a game they should have won. Tennessee, Kenny Pickett was good, okay? But Tennessee gave them a lot of that game last year. Right. I'm not taking anything away from Pitt because they were a good football team. But I think overall, when you look at it now, Tennessee should go to Pitt and win. And, and I think that. I know who they have at quarterback at Pitt. Mm-hmm. Slovis, I know he's good from USC. But I, 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 I look at it overall and I think, okay, get past that game. See what you do against Florida. I think they can win it. I'll pick, I'll pick Tennessee to win it right now. Mm-hmm. But then it gets a little crazy, you know, because you, you're, you're flowing in the, the, the Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Will Levis. I love Will Le- I like Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. You know, so these, these are – these are going to be interesting games. Like last year's Tennessee-Kentucky game. I was there. I was covering that game. It was crazy. Like That could have gone either way. Who knows what happened if they called a face mask yeah. right, you know, on that play. But Tennessee you know, came out of the gates, two touchdowns, bam, bam. That's why they won the football game right. towards the end. So, you know, I, I think, you know, the chances of Tennessee beating a team like Alabama or Georgia this year, they're slim. But don't tell me Georgia's not beatable. Yeah. I just there there's something about it. You get you get Stetson Bennett off his game a little bit. You mm-hmm. take here's the biggest thing you do. 
you know, you, you take away the run game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make Stetson sling the ball 25 times. I know he can do it, but let's see him do it again. Right. You know, he, he just – he had such a good core around him last year. Yeah. And I'm running right backs. Like, think about the running backs he had last year. They're all in the NFL now. It's crazy. <laughs> and the wide receivers and the offensive linemen and your defensive linemen. I am a believer that these powerhouse schools – can continue pumping out talent like we've seen with Alabama. But this is kind of like this would be the first year Georgia's won a title and they're having to back that up. Yeah. I want to see what that looks like first. Last thing I got for you, Trey, the defense for Tennessee. Everybody points to it, says, look at these stats. They're terrible. And obviously they're not great, but I really did think Tim Banks did a hell of a job with what he had to work with. They were lacking depth. Lacking elite players across the board. Not yeah. a lot of difference makers. They've added pieces via the transfer portal. They've added some promising freshmen. Do you think that defense can at least make a marginal improvement to, to help a winning Tennessee team? First off, it's got to start at linebacker. Um, I think the secondaries, you know, you got to replace Alante Taylor. You're, I mean, Theo Jackson. Um, they, have, they have guys, though. Trayvon Flowers, Tank McCullough, Christian Charles. I could go on. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing to me is linebacker. You know, what you're doing with, with Jeremy Banks, Juwan Mitchell, uh, Aaron Beasley. I mean, look, besides some younger guys coming in, you're pretty much rolling the same crew you had last year mm-hmm. out on the field besides Mitchell, who got hurt, right. you know, during the season with his shoulder. That's that's the scary part to me. Mm-hmm. How can they get to the ball? How can they get to the outside? And, and maybe they have worked on that. A healthy Juwan Mitchell, let's see what he's like this year. Um, but I think overall, when you look at it, linebacker scares me the most just because of depth-wise, um, because there were times, guys, last year where Tennessee was rolling out Solemn Page. Nothing against Solemn Page, but you're going up against stout offensive lines from the SEC and right. 235-pound running backs that you know, <laughs> could knock you off your block. Right. I just think Tennessee's got to shore up the linebacker spot, defensive line spot. they got enough guys. Yeah. To, you know, I'm not talking about the edges. I'm not talking about Barron. I'm not talking about, you know, Young. I'm talking about in the middle, they got enough guys. And I've always said this about Tennessee over the last two, three years. And y'all can decipher what I'm meaning by this when I say it. I'm going to use letters. <laughs> they don't have an FU guy. Yeah. When I say an FU guy, they don't have a guy, Jordan Adams. Somebody you line up on that defensive line that you know is going to make a play. I talk about coming off the edges. Edges are different. But to me, that's what Tennessee's been lacking is that monster that you know is going to go make the play on third and two or third and three. Yeah, a disruptor. A disruptor. So if they they can figure that out, Tim Banks' defense, they'll be okay. But if they have the same problems they had last year where they were rotating guys in and you can't find a guy besides what they're doing on the edge, that's where the problem might lie. Last Mm. one I've got for you, optimism. All right, if we have a perfect season, Hooker stays healthy, everything goes the right way for the Vols, the defensive backs come together better than we thought, what is the ceiling for this team? I think it, I think I think nine and three okay. is a good record for Tennessee. Um, I think that LSU game is going to be interesting. Uh, I hope it's at night because it'd be great to cover. <laughs> uh, but the LSU game is interesting because LSU could be sneaky good. Yeah. Then you got Alabama and you've got Georgia, and then you got Florida. Right. So to me, pick your one out of those four. You're going to win. You're going to go on the road in Baton Rouge and win, or are you going to win at Florida? I mean, at home against Florida. Because I think Tennessee will end up with three losses next year. Mm-hmm. And it could be more, too. 
because let's be honest. What if oh. Kentucky comes out? Oh, oh, oh. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking about one. I'm talking about one. Oh, okay. Maybe okay. eight and four. Okay. Because what if Spencer Rattler comes out and slinging the ball around right. yeah. and the guy's got some? We just don't know. What if Will Levis has upped his game from last year? Yeah. And, and he takes advantage of a Tennessee defense. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing to me is Tennessee's going to have to score. Yeah. 35, 41 points a game. Yeah. To keep up with so many teams. Mm-hmm. And can they do it? We saw them last year do it. Yeah. We did. We saw, t- we saw them take Alabama to the fourth quarter last year. There wasn't anything Tennessee wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. So I just think, I, 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 looking at Tennessee's schedule, I've, I've, I've said nine and three, eight and four would be kind of my low part because Tennessee and Josh Apple can't take the step back this year. No. Continue going forward. Tell our audience where they can follow you, Trey, on your way out the door. Yeah, absolutely. Follow me at outkick.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Uh, lots of coverage. Who knows where we will be every Saturday this fall. We'll be in Knoxville, <laughs> Athens, Austin, Texas, back here in Atlanta to open the season. So we're just rolling along here, guys, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you, Trey. That was awesome. All right, last but not least, Shane, Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So much hype, so much anticipation. But it was basically – I don't know about you. I mean, I mean, there are comments here to highlight, but basically dodged a lot. of Dodged the save oh, and yeah. talk. Dodged the <laughs> – I mean, hell, star player just got arrested. Yeah. We, we can't even – we're still – researching that one like yeah i feel like i know more about it than jimbo does you know <laughs> remember uh, muhammad ali when he's in the corner and you know he's <laughs> dancing and stuff that was jimbo up there on stage it, i mean they they came out swinging they wanted to know about nil they wanted to know about saving um you know I, i'm sure a nice came out a, a few times in, in some of these smaller rooms but he dodged them all yeah. and uh as, as much as jimbo likes to talk because he even talked about how fast he talks you know <laughs> he, he did a pretty good job keeping the media off of him yeah but you know in all seriousness at the end of the day nothing that gets said out here is going to matter in the fall what that's i think that's the thing that drove me nuts uh-huh. you know is is even when when if we got answers on those questions that's not going to change the real story here. The real story is, is this the year Texas A&M is going to mm-hmm. make some damn noise in the SEC? Right. You know, the, 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 no more excuses. No more bullshit. You know, right. this is I, – I, I've went on – in fact – as soon as I put that ballot in there, um, I, I oh yeah, are you going to reveal your ballot yet? Yeah, no? yeah, we'll do that at the end. Yeah, I want to do that. Uh, well, you, let me just go ahead and knock this one out. Okay. So I'm get it over with. <laughs> Texas A&M, I got winning it all. Okay, Whoa. yes, I do. I got them not only winning the West. I'm clipping that I, up. I got them winning the SEC championship. As soon as I submit. An hour later, I find about a nice, and I'm like, "How do I, how do I get back in there and change this thing?" You know, so, um, you know, I, I, I joke, but this, this, yeah, this is the year, man. I, I think you got the monkey off your back with Saban, you know. And I just, I don't want to hear the excuses. And it, and it felt like this was just noise, yeah, uh, for for A and M. This was, you know, this should have been a business trip. We're here to do a thing, mm-hmm. and that thing is win a championship. Well, to your point, what I was trying to say, I mean, I give. Jimbo some hell for ducking and dodging yeah. and diving and ducking, yeah. but they've got the players to get it done. Right. They've got all the talent in the world. I don't know everybody thinks it's going to be Alabama, and it very well could be, yeah. but A&M has got all the pieces. If it's Max Johnson, Connor Wigman, Haynes King, yeah. if one of those guys breaks out, then A&M has the pieces, like he said, not mm-hmm. only to win the West, not only to win the SEC, to win the national championship. Yep. But they got to get it done. I'm, I'm just kind of tired of, of hype and anticipation. I need to see it on the field. Yeah, that's that's it. It's just we it's just, we've been talking about it all off season. We've been talking about it for two years now. Yeah. You know, uh, Jim. They paid Jimbo a lot of money. They they're getting the players that they need. 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's time to put up or shut up. Right. And, and if, if they can't get it done this year, then, you know, maybe we, maybe we talk about hot seat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, seriously. Yeah. If they, and, and there's a lot of people already talking about the, the games that Texas a and is going to trip up on. Right. You know, and, and I, we shouldn't be doing that. Not with this roster. Coach, um, at this point, what uh, position group are you the most confident in and maybe which position group do you feel like still needs the most development? Well, I, I don't know if any of them you're totally coming. But I, I really felt in the spring I love the development of our offense and defensive lines. I really thought which some of the, the hard times and things that we went through last year with injuries, like having to play a true freshman center like Bryce Foster who would never played center and missed half of camp because of an injury. Playing Deuce Father as a freshman at right tackle in this league, blocking guys like Will Anderson and different guys that you go against. I mean, high-quality people, which were very tough things to do and all throughout the – with all the other guys. But I think that really turns into a strength for us this year. I really do. With Layden, and I think Trey Zoom was the guy who would have played last year but was injured, had a tremendous spring. And then whoever we decided to left – and we got Moco and some of these other guys that are coming in to play at guard and the different things we have. I really think our offensive line took tremendous steps in the spring, and I really loved what I saw, the physicality, the size, the, but the knowledge, you know, and the things we did. I think the defensive line, I think there's some really – even though we lost a lot of players, I thought they really did a great job in the spring and getting McKinley Jackson back this year, who played last year with a hurt shoulder the whole year, knowing he'd have surgery after the year. And getting him back fully healthy, I think, is a difference maker. Isaiah Rakes, Shamar Turner, moving him inside and doing those types of things, along with, and, and uh, different guys we have, to me say, outside. Uh, Fidel Diggs, who I thought, man, jumped out at spring for us. I mean, once he got his opportunity, he was behind some really good guys, but we knew he was going to be a really good player and him jumping out. Anthony Lucas coming in early. And then plus all the other signees we have in that front group. I really, I really think those groups are excited. I think uh, we, we took some strides at receiver. I think we have to, you know, our passing game, we have to throw the ball better on offense. And I think that was accumulation of young linemen with – you know, starting a new quarterback and got injured, Zach having to go in and, you know, getting fit, situated for a couple games, and all of a sudden he took off. Uh, and then uh, young receiver, we had some receivers hurt and what, what we had to do. So I think getting that part back in, uh, you know, we have to have some tight end develop. Max Wright is a very good tight end coming back. Blake Smith, those guys. But then we have to get, develop some of those young guys. I'm very excited there. That, but there's some really talented guys. You know, Evan Stewart really come out and jumped out at us as a true freshman in camp that really, I think, brought some depth. And, you know, Moose Muhammad really made some gains last year. So I'm anxious to see how that, that part of it goes. But, uh, you know, I think all of them need development and more we go. But some of those young secondary guys, getting both corners, those Miles Jones and Brian George and having to play all those freshmen. Tyreek Chappelle started all year as a freshman. Jalen Jones, you know, and his ability to be moved around and, and – you know, getting Brandon Gilbert, and I mean, those guys back in there, some of those young freshmen. I'm anxious to see where they go to. There's a lot. This team's got me really excited, and there's so many quarterback battles. I mean, uh, competition battles going that quarterback, but other player. Everybody talks about the quarterback, but there are a lot of them across the board with very talented guys. And when you have talent, that's what creates greatness. And what I mean, daily on a basis, you have to create habits to play at a championship level where somebody takes your job. And this is one of the times I think we've got it across the board as much as we've had. Now, with some young guys in there, but it's exciting to have Let's them. talk about your quarterback room, I guess, mm -hmm. and, and the addition of Max. What is your team or how does your team complement his play style and how is he fitting in with you all? Well, I think our, the one thing about that, our offense is very versatile. We've used mo mobile quarterback. We've used drop back quarterbacks. You go back to my history, probably more drop back guys and mobile guys. But we can use the mobile guys when we had Kellen and different guys, even Matt Flynn when we were down there a little bit with Matt and some of the things he did. But I think Max is a uh, – Dynamic pace. You're talking about a guy now. We talk about quarterback. He threw for 2,800 yards, threw 27 touchdowns, and had six picks. Those numbers are, 
I don't know if there's anybody in the league besides maybe Bryce and a couple others. I don't, maybe Bryce. I don't know if anybody has better numbers returning. I, I don't say that. I'm just going off the top of my head. But we're very capable. I mean, and played a whole SEC schedule, won games, brought guys back, big. He's like, and I'll tell you what he is. He's a much better athlete than people get. Think of him as a pocket guy, but he can run. He can run the football. He's a very big guy. So, And then for the room, I think. But Haynes King is a guy who – I played an outstanding game the first game last year for us. Very talented with arm talent, can run, throw, tough, and I and has looked very good, especially this some both those guys and then Connor Wegman, who I think was as good a player as a, as a quarterback as it was in the country coming out. His his fresh, you know, is a true freshman for us. So I think we're very dynamic in our room. I think we have a lot of ability, a lot of uh, different things that we're capable of doing, and you know, I'm anxious for the competition. And that and as you saw last year, to have depth at quarterback is critical, and I, and I think that's. There's room for – and that keeping quarterbacks now is hard. It really is. But I'll say this. It's where you walk out of the game getting ready for the NFL, not where you're at, you know, trying to hurry up and get there. And I think that's very critical in guys' development. Hopefully they can see that. But open competition, we'll see who wins and we'll see what happens. But I, it's, it's, I tell you what, I feel very blessed in, to have those three guys. Left side, front row. Hey, Coach Jacques Doucet, WAFB in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hopefully some levity for you. I saw one of your former quarterbacks, Marcus Randall, the other day. Oh, he's <laughs> awesome. Marcus, Marcus is doing a great job. I told him he's smarter than being a coach, but he's a real good coach. I told him he shouldn't go into coaching, but now he does a heck of a job. Marcus is a great guy. You talked about your offensive line. One person I saw was Layden Robinson. Yes. What do you like from him? What, what do you expect out of him this season? The maturity, the confidence, the leadership. And then as a player, such a physical, tough guy who loves the game and is a total team guy. I mean, everything, the epitome of what you want as a leader and what you do as a team guy. But then a guy who loves everything that goes with football along with playing football. I think he's, I think he's going to set to have a great year, be a great leader for us. At least some levity for you. I saw one of your former quarterbacks, Marcus Randall, the other day. Oh, he's <laughs> awesome. Marcus, Marcus is doing a great job. I told him he's smarter than being a coach, but he's a real good coach. I told him he shouldn't go into coaching, but – no, he does a heck of a job. Mark's a great guy. He, he, he said that the real Nick Saban Jimbo battles were on the practice field. What happened the other day, that was rated, <laughs> that was rated G compared to back then. Oh, that. we used to battle. I mean, compare, like, I, listen, I'm going to say this. I have tremendous respect for Nick. There's, there's no, I have no problem with Nick. you got two competitive guys, and unfortunately, like you say, you get out in public and, and different things. We stood up, and it's over with. I have no problem with that. But we were at practice field. We were great competitors, and he was a great defensive coach, and we were establishing offensively, and we used to have tremendous battles. And we, had, we both had tremendous players on both sides of the ball. But they were, it was his team, and I was just the offensive coordinator. But, you know, it was fun, and, uh, you know, a lot of great respect. The newness. One thing that seems new about college football is you have more quarterbacks transferring within the conference and competing for starting jobs immediately, including uh, Max Johnson coming from LSU, but also Zach Calzada yep. transferring to Auburn. What can you say about the way Zach performed when he stepped into the starting role last year, and what is Auburn getting? Zach's uh, a tremendous young man, very talented young man, has tremendous arm talent, very competitive, very tough. As you saw, there was two games in the Alabama game, for instance, where he you know, got his knee banged up, he comes back in, leads us on a two-minute drive. Auburn game, he actually popped his shoulder back in place and finished that game. You're talking about a guy who has great character, great toughness, great ability to throw the football down the field. And, and I think just, you know, as he progresses, he's going to be a great player. And, you know, you hate to lose him, but, he, but, and, but you know, those decisions in today's world are different. But respect him very much and have tremendous – I love Zach. I think as a person, very smart, very intelligent, great human being. And I think Auburn's got a very good football player. Unfortunately, Coach. i got to go against him. <laughs> but, no, it, I wish him nothing but the best of luck. He's a high-character quality yeah. young man. All right, Shane, so wrapping up here from SEC yeah. Media Days, day four, the complete yeah. event, the Tennessee homer. Oh, you got to get back to work? 
No, no. I'm going to the casino. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike said, what are you going to do after this? I said, well, for starters, I'm going to turn my phone off. My screen time's <laughs> like at 16 hours or something <laughs> like that. I, I, I'm, I'm bug-eyed, and, and, and I'm, I'm just tired of looking at YouTube and, yeah. and Twitter. So I'm probably going to disconnect a little bit, mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe soak up some of this event, you know, when we get back together. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also going to do a, a shit ton of gambling <laughs> there at the casino. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I, my wife came down here with us, and, uh, you know, she's been hoarded up in the room and everything. And, and you know, so I said, honey, well, I promise when this is done, we'll go do something. Yeah. All right. So I've already touched on this, done a whole recap. Yeah. My ballot. Georgia went in the east. Alabama mm-hmm. went in the west, of course. I got Florida two in the east. Tennessee three. South Carolina four. Kentucky five. Missouri six. Vanderbilt seven. Who did you vote in your media poll in the East? Uh, in the East, I've got um, Georgia, clear-cut, number mm-hmm. one. Uh, number two, Kentucky. We've mm-hmm. talked about that all week. Yep. I just And I feel more confident about that uh, the Ooh, longer good, this week good. has gone. Can and you make it a lock of the week for me? <laughs> yeah, a lot of Tennessee fans hoping I do, yeah. yeah. Because I got Tennessee right behind them, okay, uh, three. number three. And, and, again, you know, this is that East. This is something we've talked about. That that that. The first three, I think, are really, really close, and it could go either way. Um, but this one may surprise you. Uh, number, number. Th- uh, so after Tennessee, I've got South Carolina. So, um, so we got I, them in the same spot, number four. Yeah, I kind of, but but again, I was lower on South Carolina coming into this week, and yeah. then uh, you know I, I bought into the hype reel and and everything. I, I'm liking I'm liking what Beamer's doing over there. We got to talk to some of the players, and yeah, um, I'm 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 in. Uh, it's an intriguing team, and, and it may catch a few people off guard. So I got South Carolina a little bit higher. Um, doesn't mean I hate Florida. It's just I think that you know. It, you know Again, this could go either way. So I got Florida right behind them, and okay. then, uh, of course, uh, Missouri, your then boy, Vanderbilt. Your boy, okay. Yeah. And out of the West, again, I got Alabama, mm-hmm. Arkansas, number two, yeah. A&M, number three, Mississippi State, four, LSU, five, Ole Miss, six, Auburn, seven. What's your West ballot? Uh, West going to go Bama, of course. It's a revenge tour. Scary. I'm sorry. Shit. A&M. Uh, cut that out. <laughs> See, I, nice has got me sideways, Mike. <laughs> All right. No, I, I do. I am worried about that's that's the immediate. When I heard that news, I wanted to switch Bama immediately. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to Texas A&M. I, I just I've got to think that Jimbo gets it right. Um, so let's go Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, um, and I'm going to tell you, I'm that Arkansas Mississippi State really really close. Yeah. I mean, those can go either way. I I, I think it, we've made uh, plenty of uh, of. I mean, we talked about it all week about how good Arkansas could be, mm-hmm. um, but Mississippi State could be too, you know. And and I, I really like them, but after Mississippi State, I'm going to go. Um, who do I got? Uh, LSU, Ole Miss, and um, Auburn. Uh, followed yeah. up by Auburn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, any closing thoughts here? SEC Media Days. I know you're ready to hit the road. Yeah, well, I think we all are. <laughs> well, those predictions are probably wrong. Of course, they're never right. And uh, any if I've got your team really high, you should be worried. And and if I got them low, you should be put some money on them. So you should also be going to the, the casino. So um, no, this was a lo- this was great. Um, you know, it was a whirlwind, and uh, it was a lot to take in. And like I said, I, I think. We're going to be having conversations about this week for many weeks to come. Yeah. Um, because there were some programs that came in here with with a narrative, and uh, and, and I came away uh, 
thinking higher on some teams and lower on some others, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I just appreciate everybody that took the opportunity to sit down with us, um, tell us about their teams. You know, um, it it wasn't easy getting all these names together for you guys. And uh, um, not to mention all the hard work because as soon as I'm done, I'm done, man. I'm going, (laughs) you know, I'm grabbing a a beer or something like that. Mike's got to go to editing. So I appreciate all the hard work that you put into this. And uh, I'm looking forward to a hell of a football season, man. This was a kickoff. Yeah. This is a college football kickoff, in my opinion. And it won't be a a, a couple more weeks from here. We'll be talking (laughs) about Vandy in Hawaii, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And that's the last thing I wanted to add, Shane. Cannot thank you enough. I was honestly, I was uncertain how you were going to handle this, whether you were going to show up every day, whether you were just going to let me ask every question. But we got people up here. We had Rusty Manziel. They had to bring his daughter up here to to meet Cousin Shane. Yeah. Drink with love, Cousin Shane. Everybody we brought up here, whether you added to the conversation (laughs) or not, they they loved you. And and they want to be best friends with you. You knocked it out of the park. And I can't not give a shout-out to the Flying Hawaiian uh, yeah. who all the way out from Hawaii to help us with this event. He's getting fired up. He's Atlanta, yeah. College Football Hall of Fame, all these coaches. I'm ready for it. What's my assignment? Your ass is sitting in the hotel room <laughs> uploading videos, making clips, he, and he's doing it better than I've ever done Absolutely. it. He's knocked it out of the park. He, he was just a tremendous, tremendous help. He was wired up, man. You know? <laughs> he, and it was so funny because we went out um, a couple evenings, and it, we're sitting there at dinner, and me and Mike aren't saying a damn word. <laughs> Because I'm always a firm believer, you got so many words that you can use each day, and, and it's like we were way past our quota, you know. So we just sat there, just looking at each other like idiots. And then my wife and 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 my brother just kept going back and forth, back and forth. And John's like, he looked at me. I was like, I was like, no, 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 keep going. I, I just like listening, you know. So I was just fried, man. So no, it was it was it was great. I I loved the event, and um, you know, this is this is. You know, we're going to be back. Yeah. The SEC team, I mean, it, the, the season goes by so quick, it feels yep. like, once it gets going. You know, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back down here mm-hmm. uh, for an SEC championship. So it's going to be a hell of a year, Mike. No doubt.